Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller, an African-American, licensed psychotherapist, professor, diversity coach, consultant, and author. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, we'll have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Today, we welcome Sonia Russell, CEO, and David L. Walker, Jr., CSO of Blackfulness to our show. Sonia uses her obsession with technology and her passion for mindfulness to organize and harmonize almost every aspect of her life. She has been a Black woman her whole life, a small business owner for nearly 20 years, and an active leader for more than a decade. She received her minister's license from the School of Spiritual Leadership in 2021. David designs, builds, and cultivates successful and productive sales and strategic partnerships to increase awareness, affinity, buy-in, and revenue, all with mindfulness at the core. With over 15 years of experience, David puts the funk in cross-functional training and leadership, and he uses his intense desire to serve to intentionally and effectively connect people, places, and ideas. Together they make blackfulness, and we can't wait to hear all about it on Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller. So, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on, David and Sonia. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for having, Thank you for having us. Happy Absolutely. to be here. Sure enough. Divine time. Excellent. Let's go. Excellent. Let's do it. Okay, so my first question, because I'm eager to learn more about you both and your platform, is to Sonia. Can you explain what it means to be a licensed New Thought minister with a degree in consciousness studies from the School of Spiritual Leadership? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm gonna, need, I'm gonna need that broken down. That wow, that feels like a lot. It just means you can call me Reverend Sonia. That's really all it means. That's the end of the day. And I was day. ready for a lengthy explanation. Okay. Yes. No. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. I recently I spent ten years being a licensed spiritual counselor with Centers for Spiritual Living, and then I got the call into ministry, or deep, more deeply into ministry, quite frankly, um, and. It led me on the path and I finished my degree and got my license in 2021. And so since then, you have been able to call me Reverend Sonia, although you do not have to. Hey. Well, <laughs> congratulations, Reverend, Reverend Sonia. You are very welcome. Thank you. All right, David, let's get to you. Yes. I read that one parent was diagnosed with bipolar and your other parent was challenged by addictions. But you said you always felt the love. Can you say more about that? Yeah, it was one of those things that felt like, regardless of what conditions my parents were managing, their priority was always making sure that I had a space of safety to be my most authentic self. And although they were managing what they were managing, their, their, their primary role was to be a shepherd of my life. And they really stood in that with a lot of intention, a lot of consistency, a lot of love, a lot of dedication, commitment. I think I am one of those people who feels fortunate to not know what it feels like to not be loved. And mm. so a lot of what I do and a lot of how I show up in the world is because I know I have a privilege. Some people don't. The privilege of having both of my parents present, really showering their love, their support, their wisdom, their admonishment, anything that was required to make sure that I was an appropriate citizen, they didn't, <laughs> regardless of what was going on. Listen, two things. One, that's incredible because not everyone has that story coming from those same complicated backgrounds. So you know, I'm very, very happy for you. You are blessed in that, in that oh, way for sure. The second thing is that 
I don't believe people from the global majority should be using the word privilege. You have the benefit. The benefit. The benefit. I will take okay, that. Because privilege comes with skin color in, uh, in this country and in the world. And that is not something you had access to, but you did have the benefit. So That's I'm right. really happy for you. Affirming right. it to be so. That's right. Right on. Brother. Right on. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. I just don't want us claiming something that's not our reality. Come on, let's keep it real. Yes. Yes. Okay, so you both have used this term, and I want to know what it means. What does it mean to be unapologetic optimist? Mm. Mm. Unapologetic optimist. You know, it's so interesting because I feel like in a lot of spaces, being an optimist, like they say, if you know, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention, and if you're optimistic, you're living in the you know, in a dreamland. And quite frankly, I feel like it's our responsibility to be about what's possible for us, right? Like we've had so much taken and so, so many opportunities removed from what is possible for us. And so I to be about the optimism of it. What's possible? What can we do? And in fact, I know we can continue to do great things. And so I feel like I'm unapologetically optimistic in that way. Like I want to be about what we can do. I believe in us and I want to be about that. Dave, anything you want to add? Yeah, for sure. One is, I'm also blessed to have the benefit of the influence of my great grandparents <clears throat> uh, on both sides of my uh, my mother and my father. And one of my great grandparents would often make the statement, "Be in it, but not of it." And so, what, how that translates for me to be unapologetically optimistic is that I know what I see. I know I know the the brutality that I see on black and brown bodies. I know, you know, all of the, the things that I see around people and, and them having their basic needs met. But there is a, to Sony's point, I have an opportunity to see and know something different in spite of what I see. Because my mindset, the thoughts that I think, and the energy and the frequency and the vibration of those thoughts have power. They have power in my own individual, my own individual experience. Right. And they have power in spaces that I show up in. So it's not pretending that the things that we see are not happening. It is acknowledging that they are happening and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is something more expanded for all of us to experience collectively and for me to experience individually. You know, I, I appreciate that a lot. I am not unapologetically optimistic. <laughs> It's real. It's I, real. It's real. It's real. Yeah. I have no art. In fact, so yes. Yeah. I, yeah. His yeah, word unapologetic because it's you got to stand in that because there's 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 a place for everybody's sentiment. But, yeah. you know, please. Well, I, I appreciate it, though. I value it. It's why I asked about it, because I need more of that. And I'm, I'm definitely spiritual. I definitely believe. But I'm challenged. I'm deeply challenged. And it might be because I. I am a therapist and I carry a lot of what people experience. Um, and I know you both do as well, but I appreciate, not but, and I appreciate your ability to maintain your optimism. So I'm going to lean into that and, and appreciate what you do. Let's be clear. It requires effort. That, it, is, it, is, it is not easy. It is not I easy. I don't wake up saying, oh, I'm about to be an unapologetic optimist. <laughs> <laughs> what I get up and say is before I turn the TV on, before I look at my phone, before I give anything the first fruit of my attention, I am going to root myself. I'm going to ground myself. I'm going to stand in my spiritual practices. 
before yeah. I have another voice to, that can influence mm-hmm. how I shape and start my day, like my spiritual practices and the things that I lean into first thing in the morning support me in maintaining my optimism and being unapologetically optimistic does not mean I'm apologetic, unapologetically optimistic 100% of the time every day. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that's I'm saying? Like that is, I think that's unreasonable. Right. But the, well, the sum total is fair. Yeah. No, no, finish. I'll say that. The, 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 sum, the sum total of, of, of the experience is if I can say which way the arrow hits, it hits towards unapologetically optimistic most of the time, but it requires work and it takes intention. Right. <laughs> For sure. For me. Absolutely. You know, I, I hear that. I hear that. I receive that. I, I do not disagree. I I will say that, you know, time wears on you. I mean, I'm an elder in the community and and time wears on you. And so the reason I, you know, started this podcast was because I want to uplift voices. And many of the voices help me find hope because there's too many days I find myself hopeless. And my practice is very much spiritual. It's how I start my day and it's challenged throughout the day. Yes, so, right. and I appreciate other lenses and offerings. It really, it really is helpful. So thank you for your perspective. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. You created a social impact organization that is helping to promote mental wellness called Blackfulness. What is the goal of Blackfulness? We have multiple. The primary goal of Blackfulness is to help Black folks reduce their stress through mindfulness. That's the that's the primary goal. What's happening in that is an opportunity for us to lean into healing justice, an opportunity for us to lean into supporting people and seeing them be- their best selves, and an opportunity for us to disrupt some of the health disparities around mental health support for African-Americans and to help us ease up on the stigma around mental health. Okay, you just opened up a whole can that I'm going to have to jump into. <laughs> okay, so I, I have this new mentality that I've been teaching in classes and I have been just sort of developing, which is, I, I don't know, and I, it's not original, believe me, but I don't, I don't know that a healing is possible with racial trauma when the, the wound is constantly disrupted daily. And I and so I wonder I wonder what your concept of healing looks like in on this journey mm-hmm. because I have I, I I believe that we as brown and black bodies are capable of of thriving we do that every day in different ways mm-hmm. I also believe that we are tired of surviving because in my mind that's hanging on by a limb mm-hmm. and and I don't want to overshoot the healing because I think it asks of us something that is it's systemically not possible at this time because mm. because things would have to end for the rupture to be uh let's just use reparation right, 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 right. as the, as the salve of healing mm-hmm. so I really want to hear what your concept is of the he- healing aspect of what you do mm-hmm. so systemic is huge Right. Mm-hmm. It's huge, huge, huge. But one of the things yeah, I know that Sonia and I believe strongly, in, if, I can, if I may speak on this in terms of like spiritual philosophy, is that if I can maintain some sovereignty on what's happening right here, 
within my own self, uh, that is the first place that healing can begin because what it does is it offers the feeling of sovereignty. And so with mindfulness and with blackfulness, one of the additional goals is that we want to expand our people into the feeling of choice and sovereignty. And so with mindfulness, we know that it provides a space of clarity. And so we know that between stimulus and response, there's an opportunity to choose an action of behavior, understanding there are conditions and circumstances be outside of me, beyond me, that I cannot necessarily directly put my hands on and control. And if I am able to put myself in a position where I get to choose my thoughts and my behavior and my choices, thoughts of thriving, thoughts of expanding, thoughts of evolving, or if I can put myself in a place of presence, I can respond in a way that's not a forced choice, that is not a, that's more of a, of us being able to choose. And so mindfulness brings a state of presence. And so that presence is a way to resist you know, I think for Black mm -hmm. History Month, the, the, the theme was rest is resistance. Mm -hmm. um, taking time to rest is operating in our sovereignty that gives us an opportunity to choose. Like anytime, we have a anytime I have a chance to choose, mm -hmm. I am, I'm healing because all throughout my own personal journey, I've, I've had been in situations where it's been, well, I've been told what to do. I've been told what's good for me. We want to support Black folk in having a choice. Uh, and emphasizing more choice. That's a, that's a great beginning place. Healing is huge and it's expansive mm, sure and not. it's complex. Our lane is individual uh, sovereignty. So what I like about what you're saying is that what, what I am about in my private practice, which is it's an inside job. It's an inside job. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And so how this connects to that for me is the idea that if you do your internal work, it will uh, facilitate your external practice. Absolutely. Right? So how you move through the world, how you thrive in a way, because I don't want to tell black and brown people you have to be resilient anymore. That means I can keep knocking you down and you're going to bounce back. Come on. And, and that's, not, that's not the reality of what we're living. We have to be more reality-based with how we are going to do what we do. And so I like, I like the idea of you know, the internal process and, and grounding yourself in that. And, and the second part of what I love is being present because all you have control over is this, this present moment and time and how you place yourself there is what grounds you or doesn't ground you. So that's, that's what I'm taking away from what you're saying. Would you say that's, that's on point? Or Nailed, close it. Enough? Nailed it. Sure enough. Okay. But the sympathize over there. Come on, there are sympathize of people. Wait, people get tired of hearing me talk, so I like to bring others on. <laughs> we appreciate being all they, they know what I'm about to say. Want to add anything to that? I would. I feel like I want to just add the idea, expanding on this idea that healing is a big. It's a big idea for sure, and I think it looks different over time, mm -hmm. right? And it, because it's an inside job, it's gonna look different over time. And because we're complicated and peopley and all the things <laughs> yeah. that we are. It's, you know, it's like that onion that you're sort of peeling, but it's always a layer of healing, right? That, and it, you know, it's kind of like the mountaintop. Do I really feel like at the end of the day, I'm going to lay my head down and I'm going to, you know, check healed. I don't know if that's the thing, but it's right. absolutely a direction, right? It's absolutely the, the goal. Yeah. 
Yeah, like like Buddhism, right? You know, exactly. uh, inner peace is the goal. Exactly. I'm not saying you're ever going to actually get there, but right. you're right. on the journey and you should aspire. I feel that. I feel that completely. Yes. I also think that the reason why I reject the idea of healing, I think it's a Eurocentric perspective mm-hmm. that's been placed on racial trauma that's just not, it's not okay. It, do, it doesn't work that way. But I love the idea that you bring of, oh, it's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey. And here's the thing. We have a uh, a mentor that says practice makes permanent, not mm. perfect. And the more often uh, that I have an opportunity in my own journey, being present with what's happening within all of this mm-hmm. and being okay with it and not adding any judgment to it. Right. One of the one of the things about blackness that I really appreciate is that we are reminding black folk that you have already been doing things that are mindful, right? Like, you know, how you look at your self-care, your grooming, the barbershop, basketball, like whatever it is, you've been mindful. The only thing, the thing that we want to support our people in is adding a level of intention to the things that they're already doing that bring joy, that bring peace, that bring presence. Be intentional about it and be consistent about it to know I'm doing this because of this so that this yeah that's and, good and so we want to create a an accessible way a fun way a culturally relevant way for our people to be able to do that right. you know because we know that yeah. what we see when, when we see ourselves in the experience we don't we're going to be committed to the practice of it mm-hmm. which means we get to make that we get to make i won't use the word healing but we get to make the process of expanding into our highest and best selves yeah and every you know an ongoing experience mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to take away your healing language. I just like to add to it. Yes, and I please. think that, oh. you know, I think I appreciate both. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh-huh. Uh, you said something that jumped out for me and I want to get back to it. Yeah. You spoke to uh, collectivism and that's who we are as a people. And so I love the idea of the community focus, like what we do internally matters, but also we influence others because that's what we do. Sure. That's how we. Yeah. And in, in terms of this idea that you make it fun as well and you're trying to remove the stigma of mental health, you know, it's, it's, it's really sort of mind-blowing that we have a stigma about it. And it's hard not to believe that's rooted in white supremacy because how do we have a stigma about something we didn't have access to? Right. Come on. Right. That's the you feels like just another thing that was handed down to us. Like your community has a stigma because we didn't want to go to, you know, white establishments and trust our souls and our physical and mental health. I don't know that that's a stigma. I just think it's a lack of access. And I want to, I want to replace that because I I don't like how that holds us hostage. I feel all of that, especially when I know there was some research that came out from the APA talking about apologizing for the part they played Mm -hmm. in put uh, for all the parts they played right in all all of oppression right in our ongoing in our health in our exactly exactly (laughs) the lack thereof so i absolutely feel that i absolutely feel that yes i think i think it's interesting that we we i i appreciate i think i'm also listening to rest is resistance right Mm -hmm. trisha hersey and and there's a thing in there where she says even in our language about taking care of ourselves is rooted in right white supremacy like no longer will she talk about needing to fill her cup right because 
that we never even had a cup. Like, just, what we trying to do? Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that idea that that it's not about the stigma. It's about the lack of access. Because yes. when you give, I think, Black folks the opportunity to be healed and well, we're like, I'm already I'm good. succeeding yeah. at what sometimes feels like 25% of my capacity. Because mm-hmm. I'm dealing with the racism, I'm dealing with the oppression, I'm dealing with the poverty, I'm dealing with the inequities. Imagine what I could do when you clear some of that crap away. Just a little bit. Just a li- Just give me a little more space. Just a little bit. Right? Exactly. We're hoping that we help Black folks create a little more space. So that we can thrive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Look, I have a problem with you know, a seat at the table. Oh, How are you going to have a seat at the table and they keep pulling a chair away? Well, wait, on, well, wait, on. hold on. Here's, I'm going to take it another step. A table that wasn't designed for you to sit at. Come on. No. I don't want that seat. Yeah. <laughs> Change the table. Yeah. Make, make our own table. Make That's our right. own table. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. In a, in a podcast I did recently, oh my God, me and the guests got off on the idea of, you know, taking a day just for blackness, like every black person, just don't go to work, don't go to school and see what the world looks like. So boring. Like, it would be so boring. It would be so boring without us. It would be boring like, without blackness. It would be efficient. Right. Here's, here's, here's the thing. Bla- what, and this is, this is why sovereignty is so powerful for us on the immune blackfulness, because we realize that we know that black folk are magical. Like we are amazing. So you just said something really dope and it reminds me of the Michael Jordan basketball game where Jordan had the flu went out there and, and killed some records. But that's a, that's a great metaphor for what black folk are doing on a daily basis. We have so many things that are in the way, so much muck and we're still out here thriving and killing it and setting culture and, you know, being the culture and all of these things. Mm-hmm. Just, 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 just 25% more of clarity and presence, the way that we can really use that presence to go back to a point that you mentioned, JD, was to really see the power and the importance of community. That is why we were separated from our families. That is why we were pulled apart because those colonizers knew that together we were unstoppable. Look, this is the reason why I've stopped using words like minority and people of color. We are the global majority. We that's are. Right. That's right. You know, we have to start embracing that and what that means. And that's data. That's real data. That's not just making right. some stuff up. That's data. Right. That whole thing, that people of color thing just wears me. The first time somebody said that to me, I was like, wait, wait, wait. There's more of us than anything else. How are you going to lump all of us together? Like, what? how is that the way? Yes. So I feel you. All, all done. <laughs> So you said you said that and this is this is what I say about this podcast. Right. It always seems like it's very specific. Maybe it's geared towards a a certain group. But in reality, everybody benefits from it. And and if you don't listen because you don't look like me, you're missing out on opportunities to learn. Come on. And 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 this is what I'm saying about related to what you said, which is, you know, you want to replicate the model. You know, and it can be applied to all marginalized groups yes. that are that is, that are greatly affected by stress. You know, so I want you to say more about that, mm-hmm. would you? Yes, absolutely. So I think one of the things we try to lean into is that we say <laughs> that we're unapologetically about the black experience because that's the experience we have. Right. And that is the experience that is is black folks are the most impacted by stress. Right. Like four times more than any other culture. We lead all races in allostatic load, right? Which is the wear and tear on our bodies from stress. 
you know, we have the highest, you know, treatable, yeah, I got it all. All, all the things, right? So the idea of us being able to heal ourselves mm. and then uh, make space for other cultures to do it similarly, we think is really important. So there's th- that which resonates for us, right? We know that Black folks aren't a monolith, but there are the things that resonate for us as a community. And then we know that that's true for other communities. So we think about Latino communities, we think about Asian American or Pacific Islander communities, and we, we want to lean into them having that same opportunity to see themselves mm. in the mindfulness and figure out a way um, with our support. And our intention is to be able to support them creating a similar model for their own cultures. And, that's the and let's just be honest. I mean, nobody has benefited more than white women from what we've done and has been done you know, on our own behalf. So it does translate. And and like Resma says, you know, white bodies are impacted by white supremacy as well. When that's right. realized, things will really take a turn. It's not our fight. Correct. You know? white, the problem is theirs. And so as long as they think, believing that we are supposed to solve the problem, it's going to keep being a problem. Because right. the problem is theirs to solve. White supremacy is the white folks' problem to solve. Absolutely. I'm just saying. The other, thing, just the other saying. thing we know is that the, the realness of my experience is that Black folk have gone through and continue to go through a tremendous amount of stress-related experiences living in, a, in, in this particular country. I'll speak from that point. It's the world, brother. Oh, we are, I, I know, but you know what? I want to speak from the context that, you know, even the first book, okay. 100%. Right on. And so know that if if we have been able to create a solution that is providing results within the black community, the most impacted community, anything else that we take out to other marginalized, then it has to work in other spaces. It just has to, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like logic. If you take and you go after the biggest opportunity, you have a solution that is that is that is that works, and you take that solution and replicate it with some modifications so that there's still these the experience of folk in those communities seeing themselves, then it's, mm-hmm. then it's, then it's taking that magic and spreading it. And, and, yeah. and cause the goal yeah. is that we all wake up to our greatness. Yeah, I feel you. And mm-hmm. you know, history has proven when you work with the most marginalized, the most oppressed, it benefits everybody. 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 Absolutely. Everybody. It's not a secret. So that's why we'll never redo our, our programmatic work within spaces, corporate spaces, academic spaces, we are encouraging, you know, participation from allies or folk who don't even realize that they need to be allies because yeah. it's all about circulating information, sharing data, sharing experiences, making it personal. Like how we can do that in a way, 100%. The focus is on the stress reduction for black folk, but the opportunity is also for visibility to folk to know what black folk are going through, not just to know from a standpoint of cognitive knowing, but from a standpoint of it getting real and raw. Mm-hmm. And yeah, un- no, I agree. And uncomfortable. And uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Comfort's uh, overrated. I yeah. say that all the time in all my classes. <laughs> right? Uh, Anybody ever die from uncomfortability? Hey, never Let's, go. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Nobody. I do. I want to push on one other thing because it's just my way. Come on. Right. And that is that, you know, they can't be allies in a war that's theirs. Well. What? You know. You so, can see just to... We are great students. Yes. We like yes. to learn yes. and expand. You're right. You're expand absolutely right. Now, That's so right. I believe, you know, calling people ally is a gift because that means you can sit on the side and watch and, and be Switzerland. 
I have and I'm not, heard, I'm not whistling. I have absolutely heard that ally <laughs> equals bystander. I have absolutely heard that. I don't even know geography. I just do, I don't know geography at all or history. I just threw that out there. But it's so real though. It, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Make no make sense. But the the folk you know, the, you know. the folk who can actually use their the folk who can use their position mm-hmm. and can use their access and their influence to actively. Yeah, actively. Actively. Right. That's right. it. Right. Not for us, allies are active in yeah. active yeah. Right, partnership. They're actively using their privilege in a way that supports us. It's not, you don't just get to be there and smile and be like, I'm an ally. Because you in the airport. Exactly. Because I absolutely know some bullies in ally clothing. Right. right? So. Yeah. And, that, and that, that's the thing about right. it is that it gives it gives a t- it gives a tapping out. It gives a timeout. You know, I, I think we have to all be of the abolition and we have to be, you know, activists in our own way. And I know those are scary words for white bodied individuals. But and I still think it's time to change and shift, shift the lens because it's slavery it's was too. Say it again. It says slavery was scary, too. So a little, a little bit of discomfort. Also, ain't nobody never died. Ain't nobody ever died. From being uncomfortable. That's right. That's right. That's a true story. So I want to know how you two met, and then I have a couple more questions for you before we wrap. Cool. How do you find each other? Okay, so we at, at, are in the same spiritual community. Yes. I am Reverend Sonia, so, but I am also the administrator for our spiritual community. Uh, and we have a, we're always looking for volunteers, sacred service. We believe in service. And this young man was <laughs> in between employment, I think. And okay. was excited to serve somewhere. And he came to the church in his little best outfit on a Tuesday, his resume. And, and I was like, okay, homie. Lord, I wanted to give my, I was give, I wanted to give my best. I wanted to get right my best. But what Sonya did play was for about two weeks before I wanted to serve, I was trying to find out who she was because everybody kept saying you need to talk to son. You need to talk to son. And I was in that church trying to figure it out. <laughs> and then eventually, Hilarious. life worked out, and I got into right. an expanded version of service. And I, and I right. It. And then, really, what came along was pandemic. Oh, David's yeah. family is actually on the in the South, South Carolina, uh, yeah. and my mother is the keeper of strays. <laughs> and so, and she be cool. And she. So really, she's the keeper of strays. And so, <laughs> so he became part of our bubble for pandemic time. That's amazing. So it just worked what out. an amazing story. And yeah, all I can say is I'm grateful we didn't grow up together because it would be a whole problem. But <laughs> my mother used to like people too, so I know. I'll, but you know what? Some people like, they leave and go, I'm probably over here like three or four times out the week. Eating up all her so food. much. It's so like, much. I grew space. up an only child, JD. So <laughs> no, no. We like it like really. <laughs> oh, JD, I, I come in hot too. I in hot I, and I don't, loud. And loud. So much. So I am thankful and grateful that Sonya continues to say yes to my little brotherhood. Oh, um, but you know, great. but it was good because you know, leading up to us being able to do what we're doing now, we we serve together. And Sonia and I have put on events together mm. prior to becoming official business partners. Right. So our spiritual journey, our spiritual center gave us a little bit of right. a came time to put blackness together. It was like, oh, it's a no-brainer. I know right. how she gets down. She knows how I get down. We both don't play that. We don't, we both believe in excellence. <laughs> right. It feels like a divinely yeah. 
align, like partnership, like for real. Like the things that Sonia really loves to do, I'm like, Mm-mm, you got it, go for it, hit that. I'm a support. Same, you. same. And this, and it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like the ancestors said, we talk, we need, we need something to happen big, <laughs> and we gonna bring the right people together that can hold this, that can shepherd it, that have a heart for the people, that can operationally get it done. Because that's mm-hmm. the other. Having right. the heart is one thing, yes. but having the heart is not all that is required. There is yeah. there are additional things that are required for a mission, a movement like ours. Because literally, it's an app. We're a content organization, but at the core of it is socially, is social justice motivated, and it is a movement. Right on. We don't want people from stress, like uh, the new underground railroad. That's right. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm going to add, ask one more quote, and then I want you to tell everybody where to find you and, and all that you're doing. So, okay, you said, be willing to be light when you can and find places to get light when you can't. The work is real, but so is the positive and lasting impact. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Say something about that before we wrap, would you? Man, you know, this, when people ask me how I'm doing, I say I'm living the dream. And then I have to kind of preface it with a little asterisk that says the dream is hard ass work, right? <laughs> For the rest. And, but it kind of leads into that unapologetic optimism. I, I believe that there is a good and a power and a love in the universe that is for us, mm-hmm. that has our best interest in mind and that it is our responsibility to lean into that. Now, it's not for everybody. And I realize that. Um, but so many people in so many spaces are light bringers and they don't quite bring mm-hmm. therapists. Absolutely. Are light bearers. Teachers 100%. are light bearers. Right. Like I believe in that with my full whole heart. And so it's important for me to to be about that, which means there's a whole lot of I stand guard at the portal of my mind. Right. That means there's a whole lot of stuff that is not allowed. You don't get to take up residence in my thinking, in my space. Mm-hmm. There's a so it means that I'm about bringing light. And that hard ass work means I don't always have it. Right. Mm. And so I've got to see. And so I spend my time surrounded by people who can look at me and say, she don't have the light today. Let me help. Let me get closer. Let me support her in being the light. And I think it's important that there are people who want to do that because not everybody's able. And I'm, I realize that trauma is real. Right. Mm-hmm. And while there's, there are people who, seemingly are sort of rising above it. There are so many people. I also believe that people die in the shadow of our light, yes. right? And so we can't just be, oh, I'm all light. It's all good. Yeah. I'm not yeah. that. I know that there are people who need support, but it is my role to try to bring that light, right? And to and, <clears throat> and when I can't find it, I'm looking for other people who can. I, I love that so much. It speaks to reciprocity. You know, people think that my sister's one of those people and she'll call me out for calling her out, but it's true. Give, 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 give. Well, sometimes you have to be around people who are also giving. And and reciprocity is what strengthens the bond and the bridge. So I really appreciate uh, how you explain that. I think it's a perfect way to end. But now, please, social platforms, social media platforms, websites, lay it all down now so people know where to find you and how to get your app, please. The beautiful thing about Black ones is that we're the only ones with that name. So on all the socials, with the exception of Instagram, you can find us at Blackfulness on Instagram. We are the Blackfulness. That's right. And you can the find Blackfulness. the Blackfulness on okay. www.blackfulness.com. Our 
website is up now. We are doing a revamp on that website. Uh, but check us out now. It's still popping. Right. Black Soul Health Awareness Month is in May. And so we have a whole lot of new stuff coming out. We'll have a bunch of new content on social. We'll have a bunch of new content on our website. Remember that Blackfulness has two L's because we are about Black folks have living their full full lives. Let's go. (laughs) And for the record, the name came from an interview with Audre Lorde. She said back in an interview in like 1987, maybe she was talking about St. Croix. And being mm-hmm. there, and she said that she had a refreshing sense of blackfulness. And mm. I was like, that is what I'm talking about. Mm. I want to be about the blackfulness and the sort of that refreshing sense of being our best selves. Mm. Absolutely. Perfect way. Perfect way to end. You two are amazing. Very, very lovely people. I'm so glad I've had the pleasure of spending time with you sharing space. Please, please, please. Stay connected. I'll let you know when the show drops. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for all that you offered today. I receive thank it. Thank you for having us. Thank, and you. More. thank, thank you, you for the so platform. Thank you for the space. And thank you for what you're doing to bring truth to the world. Thanks so, you so much. Thank you. <laughs> be well, all. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with JD Fuller.